0: Welcome back to Movie Mindset. Drinks for all my friends. Drinks for my friends. We're talking Mickey Rourke today. That's right. We are, we are diving into two, uh, two great films by one of my favorite actors, Mickey Rourke. I'll, I guess I'll just describe Mickey Rourke as a very beautiful man who plays really ugly guys. Mm-hmm. And in the two movies that we're going to be talking about today, uh, Angel Heart and Barfly, we see one really evil guy who's very handsome... <laughs> And one really disgusting guy who has sort of a heart of gold. But before we get into that today, let's let's warm up a little. Let's warm up our movie, our movie muscle, and our brain by uh, just going through. Hessa, what movies you've been watching? What's been What's been filling up your letterbox?
1: What have I been watching? Well, I on seeking seeking derangements, which is my podcast. um, Go listen to that also. But um, a last episode, the previous episode was occupied largely by me saying Vicky Cristina Barcelona over and over again in a Spanish accent. And um so I had Woody on the mind and I realized I'd never seen Match Point and I kind of wanted to watch it. And I figured what the hell? And it's
0: like one of my new favorite movies. It's a great now. movie. I love it. I was It's sort of like his own update or remake of Crimes and Misdemeanors in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is one of my favorite of his like, I guess, serious films. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Crimes and Misdemeanors is great. Um, and what about uh, what about Vicky Cristina Barcelona? I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Uh, it's his it's his threesome movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Javier Bardem, uh, Penelope, Penelope Cruz, and um, <laughs> Scarlett Johansson, and I forget Patricia Clarkson. I think is the other one. But yeah, I still haven't seen that one. I think it's funnier if I just don't see it ever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and just uh, just 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 keep saying Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Vicky Cristina Barcelona. <laughs> hola <laughs> uh, so you've been uh, just dipping back into dipping back into Woody
1: yeah I did a little a little bit of that a little husbands and wives and then um, I watched this I think I don't know what is going on with this movie but this movie from 2004 called um, Cyber Wars and um, Joan Chen is in it in like a very small okay. role um, like from Twin Peaks Joan Chen yeah yeah yeah, okay. yeah. and it's like a zero budget horrible it's what i like to call like free jack
0: core where it's oh like- wow free jack <laughs> free jack is a pull yeah. a movie that takes place in uh, manhattan in the year 2022 mm-hmm. which is quarantined by a uh, disease in class oh yeah free jack really bad movie <laughs> uh Mick Jagger turns in one of the worst on-screen performances I think I've ever seen.
1: I can't even remember if he's trying to do an accent, but he, I
0: think he does for a little bit and then gives up. It's one of those. Uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins in the Free Jack starring uh, opposite Emilio Estevez. <laughs> Emilio I S-M. would say Free, Free Jack is a movie worth watching just for like... For it's like, incredible. It has the really cool like, kind of like cheesy, corny, like 90s sci-fi aesthetics of like, yeah. just like dystopian future society that make it like entertainingly Bad, but like oh yeah, holy shit! Free Jack is a uh... I love.
1: It's like Free Jack Wedlock is another movie like that. That one's um where you can tell a bunch of coked up Israelis were working backwards from the title, <laughs> and one of them was like Wedlock is the name of the movie. Yeah, it's Rudger Hauer. Um, I can't remember who else, but it's like Joan Chen also in Wedlock. Wedlock. Um, <laughs> she's in a bunch of these movies, weirdly enough. So,
0: so what's Cyber War about?
1: Cyber War is basically um. It's Singapore in the future. Everyone is connected to Cyberlink, which is <laughs> connects everyone. And um, this lady, I forget her name. I forget pretty much everything about this movie because I was really high and I was just like vibed out. Remember, that's mindset. Yeah, mindset that's a movie this mindset. This is
0: instruction we're giving you right now. And,
1: you know, there are some really fantastically corny moments, some cheese, cheese ball
0: moments in it that I really loved. I feel like the, the same sort of like, Vibe of like 90s kind of shitty sci fi that I still adore. Have you ever seen Split Second with Rutger Hauer? Oh my God, no, not yet. Okay, That's definitely it, on my list, okay, so though. Okay, second one, Rucker Hauer, he's like, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a futuristic London in which everything is flooded by global warming, so he's sort <laughs> of like a boat cop <laughs> cruising around, and there's some sort of mutant monster <laughs> killing people. It's kind of tight. But uh, of, of that, like, you know, sort of, sort of direct-to-video, um, 90s-era action mo- sci-fi movies, uh, the one very much in the same vein that I think is actually a really good movie is Albert Pune's uh, Nemesis. Oh, I love Nemesis. R.I.P. R.I.P. R. to Nemesis. Albert. But our nemesis P. is great. If you want to see Thomas Jane's naked ass, and <laughs> that's, that's one your of his bet. first on screen appearances, I yeah. think, was in that movie. Only Alex Rain knows the path to redemption to the cyborg enemy. He is their nemesis. On my end, uh, I, got, I got a bunch of movies that I watched this week. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is uh, Clint Eastwood's Absolute Power. Oh, my God, Have you I ever haven't seen, seen that. that okay. No. okay. Let me describe the plot of this movie to you. Clint Eastwood plays a master thief who uh, breaks into this like really expensive, like this huge like mansion chalet and like he's going, he's like a jewel thief and he, he discovers in the bed, the master bedroom of this mansion behind a two way mirror, like uh, a safe slash cuck chamber in which this woman's like wealthy, elderly husband would sit and watch her uh, perform sex acts with uh, younger men. While he's breaking into the house, some people show up in the house, and he ducks into the, the cuck chamber. What he ends up seeing, witnessing, is the President of the United States, played by Gene Hackman, <laughs> what kill a woman after rough <laughs> sex goes wrong. Like, his Secret Service agents kill this woman <laughs> because he gets real rough with her. Whoa. And basically... This is this is Clint Eastwood in the 90s. Gene Hackman is playing Bill Clinton. This is, this is uh, Clint, he called his shot on, on Slick Willie in this movie. but <laughs> Did he direct it too? No, he directed it as oh, well. Oh, my God. A great cast. It's got Ed Harris as like the homicide cop who investigates the Cuck Chamber. Laura Linney plays his daughter. You've got Richard Jenkins as uh, an assassin. Uh, Scott Glenn and Dennis Haysbert. And then, of course, the great Judy Davis playing the stock Clint Eastwood character, haughty, evil bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Next up for me, Hessa is, of course, Lawrence Kasdan's Body Heat. You, you know, me. oh yeah, of course, I got too of excited course. about the erotic thrillers. I decided to <laughs> yeah, jump the yeah. gun. You know, I wasn't <laughs> going to wait for Criterion to drop it, but uh, holds a magnificent movie. Oh yeah, uh, it's as sexy as everyone says. Body Heat rocks. Yeah, you got you got you got beaches. You got doggy style. You got every, it's got everything, mm-hmm. folks. Uh, and then, of course, on St. Patrick's Day, Chris and I watched The Departed. You know, oh, The we, Departed. We, yeah, we had the possesses <laughs> and. uh Chris and I were having fun because Chris brought up the fact that, like, if you look at the Wikipedia page for Whitey Bulger's actual crimes, it's like the most the most him and his gang ever got out of any score was like ten grand, <laughs> <laughs> literally like Sons yeah. of Anarchy, yeah. like you yeah. always talk about. Uh, but The Departed, I mean, like. In my opinion, it's sort of like mid-tier Scorsese. But in mm-hmm. saying that, I mean, it's still like one of the most compulsively rewatchable cop movies ever made. Oh, yeah. So, like, I mean, he, like, there's no missing with Marty. It's just mid-tier because it's about Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. about Boston. You're <laughs> going a have, mid-tier city. <laughs> yeah, you're never going to have an a, S, A, or S-tier movie set in the city of Boston. Yeah, you can't. You can't. And then, uh, finally, for me, uh, Catherine and I uh, rewatched over the weekend uh, what I regard as one of the greatest comedies ever made, Waiting for Guffman. Oh, which yeah. is just Love still still like a- as funny as it was the first time I saw it if not more like low these nearly 20 years later George Santos in uh, his <laughs> first ever role as Guffman. <laughs> 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 uh just I was particularly struck like as I am every time by uh Parker Posey in this movie I mean er- everyone is great but there's a scene after Corky St. Clair leaves the leaves the uh, the play and she's like back at the like squalid trailer park she lives in and she's cooking a single chicken wing on a grill and like fanning it and just says, there'll always be a place for me at the DQ. And I think it's like <laughs> one of the funniest and most haunting line readings I've ever I've ever seen. <laughs> but yeah, uh, waiting for Guffman and Best in Show. Because I, I, we, we, oh, yeah. we, we watched that one too. And Best still in great.
1: Show is probably my favorite yeah. of
0: those ones. I love investing. Show they they hide Fred Willard for like the first half of the movie, yeah, and then he just drops him <laughs> in, and it's nothing but bangers. It's just wall to wall, uh, just home runs every time he's on screen. Oh yeah, all right. So that that's a, just a just a brief roundup of some of the movies we've watched. Um, not for the show, just you know, for mm-hmm. fun. You know, I, for fun. I, don't, I don't get paid to I don't get paid to watch movies. Yeah, we're <laughs> sickos. We do it for <laughs> <Yeah>. fun. <laughs> all right, uh, let, let's get into our two films for today. We watched um. Alan Parker's Angel Heart from 1987 and Barbet Schroeder's Barfly from 1987. Both came out in 1987. I think so, yeah. Yes, 1987. And Barbet Schroeder's Barfly from the same year.
1: Mr. Angel, my client, Monsieur
0: Louis Sacker. <laughs> Do you by chance remember the name Johnny Favorite? My interest is only in finding out if he's alive or if he's dead. You want me to check
1: it out? A private detective paid to snoop around.
0: He's dead, Mr. Angel. Well, you know what they say about slugs. They always leave slime in their tracks. Are you afraid? Yeah,
1: I'm afraid. I'm a murder suspect
0: already in two cases. Did you kill him? No, but the cops might think I did. The prince of darkness protects the powerful. The egg is the symbol
1: of the soul. Did you know
0: that? Well, let's start with Angel Heart first. But uh, before we get into that, I introduced Mickey Rourke. Like, uh, longtime time uh, followers of me on Twitter will know that i been a, long been a Mickey's one of Mickey's biggest advocates on social media. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably the most talented actor of that generation of like oh, the yeah. 80s leading men. Um, notoriously kind of a, a mercurial talent, shall we say. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just on, la- on, on last week's episode, we talked about uh, the, the IMDb trivia note of um, Denzel Washington did not enjoy working with Mickey Rourke <laughs> on Men on Fire. Which is funny because they did not share a single scene together. <laughs> yes. However, in Angel Heart, uh, has a, would, you, would you guess that Robert De Niro enjoyed working with Mickey Rourke? Mm, let me think. Uh, I would have to guess <laughs> no. Can I quote yeah. a friend actually? <laughs> it began a lifelong feud between the two of them to which Mickey <laughs> Rourke said of it, I used to look up to him, now I look through him. <laughs> I also
1: saw that he didn't Mickey Rourke blame De Niro for him not, not getting a role. Yes, in, not getting a role in The Irishman, which is so funny because, like, to picture Mickey Rourke looking as he does now in the milieu of The Irishman yeah. is a very funny thing to picture. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was sort of like you—you would show up, people would scream at restaurants if he walks in the door.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and then like as we'll get into like like there there is a very interesting sort of. Meta parallels between Mickey Rourke's character Harry Angel in Angel Heart and Mickey Rourke, like the person, like yeah. we'll, we'll we'll get we'll get into that. But uh, has a, just a, some introductory thoughts. Like how do you, how do you view, view Mickey Rourke? How do you view him as an actor and like his body of work? Well, I growing up, I knew mostly his later work, such as like
1: you know like Man on Fire and uh, the Wrestler. You know, sad sad Rourke, where he's kind of. Down and out is kind of past its prime, all messed up in the face area and the, the brain <laughs> yeah. area, possibly as well. Yeah. But um, I think I'd never seen either of these two movies before, but I had become very familiar with young, young Mickey and um, his beautiful,
0: beautiful face. I and, mean, like, uh, charms. I mean, that is really it when you're talking about Mickey Rourke, is a guy who was like the most handsome, charismatic, Horrors. like, sort of like street wise, this like this, like, panther-like presence yeah. in, his, in his movies in the 80s. Like, notor- like one of the most handsome men who's ever existed. Truly. And yeah. then now, you know, in, like, later era, Mac- later era Mickey Rourke, he's done a lot of bad stuff. I mean, like, he yeah. looks totally yeah, 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 different yeah. than he did back then. I mean, The Wrestler is sort of a, a commentary on his entire career in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's just like, as I said to introduce it, like, he's a, like, an extraordinarily good-looking man who plays really sleazy, ugly guys, and that, yeah. that's that's something that I've always really appreciated about him as an actor and his choices and the roles he does. Oh yeah, and a lot of his movies as well. Like they're they're. There does seem to be a theme about like him being facially disfigured in some way. Like yeah. There was um, uh, the, the Walter Hill movie he did um, called Johnny Handsome. Have you ever seen that? No. It's about like an Eric Stoltz mask style guy who does a bank robbery and then he gets facial reconstruction surgery and he looks like Mickey Rourke. Oh, shit and we'll get, we'll get into it <laughs> Johnny in Johnny Handsome yeah. that's like the name of a character in Angel Heart yeah, well, Johnny basically. Favorite yeah, Johnny yeah, Handsome yeah. Johnny Favorite but um, in, in Angel Heart I, I chose Angel Heart and Barfly because I think that they are, they are Mickey Rourke at like the height of his powers as like a, a sexy leading man but playing so against type in both of those movies as like leading men and you know two very unlikable characters shall we yeah. say I mean like Barfly obviously he warms my heart in that movie oh yeah of course but Let's get into it Angel Heart, a, a, a movie that may contain actual evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is directed by Alan Parker, whose uh, other films he's probably best known for. He directed Fame. He directed uh, Mississippi Burning. He directed The Commitments. And he also directed Pink Floyd's The Wall. Uh, this, this, to me, though, Angel Heart is like the real standout of his entire career. Oh, yeah. Um, what, is it, what is Angel Heart about? Angel Heart is a movie about... What a question. (laughs) Angel Heart is a movie about fan death. (laughs) It's about the Korean superstition that fans steal your soul and life. It's also about the unique malevolence of chickens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chickens. um, It's about
1: how, um, you know, if you don't remember anything that happened in your past at any point, (laughs) there
0: might be something going on, you know. And if you're ever... If you're ever hired to do a job by uh, a a guy whose name is Mister S Aiton, <laughs> yes, Mister uh, <laughs> D E Ville, <laughs> uh, don't take it. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. just pass up on that on that contract. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, Angel Heart is sort of it, it starts out as kind of a. Hardboiled noir private eye detective story, mm-hmm. but very quickly it becomes something else entirely. Like this yeah. is a, a fusion of two of my favorite genres, like sort of noir detective stories and occult Satan worship.
1: Yeah. It really, I'd never seen this and knew nothing going into it about it. So like when it started, I was like, okay, New York City, let's go. 50s, let's fucking do it. You know, like detective, he's going around the
0: set dressing on point.
1: Everything looks perfect. It looks beautiful. Oh, man. Oh,
0: the the production and set design in this movie yeah. is so good in layer and texture. It's yeah. like unreal. That's one of the things I want to talk about.
1: yeah. And the cinematography, gorgeous. And um, you know, he it's Rourke running around, going around. Um he's got his signature Rourke charms. He is shown to seduce many a woman
0: at many points in this. <laughs> uh, much to his detriment yeah, later in much the film. to his chagrin, <laughs> yeah, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, you bring it up. Like, it it opens in New York in 1955. And like you said, like, the details of the, the first third or so of this movie, it's like, it's New York, it's the winter. He goes upstate at one point. And just like, I want to talk about, like, just the feel that this movie conjures, that Alan Parker does with, like, the steam rising rising from the grates, the way he uses um, staircases and shadows to kind of bisect the mm-hmm. like the, the frame of the camera. swells. yeah, like you this, know. this jazzy music playing in the background, like a German sense, expressionist almost shadow. Yeah. like and then like as you mentioned, there are so many details in this movie that actually are are actually really clues. If you add it up at the end, there are so many like close up shots of like nightstands, coffee tables desk and just desks like they're just sort of detritus of like ashtrays pens papers little curios and trinkets keys that is just this like creates this really like textured layered sense of like set design where like mm-hmm. just like and hands as well like and they, they provide little clues for the movie um the, the main clue in this movie is the repeated visual motif of fans of fans and then like there are analogs that are found like elsewhere in the movie like uh, the, a rotary phone mm. the wheels of a car and then of course the great the, the giant the biggest fan of all the Wonder, Wonder Wheel, Wheel in Coney Island yep uh, we'll get into what that symbolizes but i will just like say like we, we first see Mickey Rourke playing a private investigator Harry Angel and he's walking down a street in 1955 New York Smoking a cigarette and chewing bubble gum at the same time. Yes. <laughs> he's blasting a cig and then blows a bubble. And he's just like, I'm just trying to imagine what that would taste like after a few. Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> You've never had the New York double, uh,
1: double meal. <laughs> hey, forget about
0: it. Uh, so yeah. he's from Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm an atheist. I'm from Brooklyn. was my favorite line in the movie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like he's, a. He's a very a classic archetype of like a, like a sleazy private dick in the 1950s. Um, and he is, uh, you know, contacted by a lawyer who is, he's hired by an attorney on behalf of a client. Now, I, I don't know if you picked this up. The attorney who hires him, his name is Winesap from the firm of Winesap and Macintosh. Can you guess the clue in the names of these attorneys?
1: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think. Well, Macintosh, that's like an apple. I hope that's
0: not... Biblical in any way. The first of many religious illusions <laughs> yes. in this film. Um so yeah, he is hired by an attorney played by Dan Florick, who you Lieutenant may remember <laughs> as Captain Kragen <laughs> yeah. from Law and Order and <laughs> Law and Order SVU. This is the only movie I can think of that I remember seeing Dan Florek in.
1: Yeah, I was really surprised that he didn't. That he wasn't, you know, on leave for killing three prostitutes <laughs> or being suspected of killing three prostitutes on like a two week leave, which is something that happens constantly in uh,
0: SVU. <laughs> he was just like, "Harry Angel, I want you in here now." <laughs> you gave the defense our briefing on their client. No, no, but ah, uh, yeah, it's it's Dan Foreck and he is an attorney hired by. One, Mr. Louise Cipher. He's a foreign gentleman. Mm-hmm. Louise Cipher, played by Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. And this is a... Robert De Niro in this movie is... It, it's strange because, like, I think like, in 1987, I think Robert De Niro is probably a bigger actor than Mickey Rourke. And he mm-hmm. is in, a, like, an extremely supporting role in this movie. He's only in a yeah. couple scenes. And it is De Niro in a way that he's, like, really never played before. He's playing this very like louche, weird, like sort of vaguely European foreign man with really long, like pimp his fingernails. fingernails yeah. were
1: crazy. <laughs> yeah. I
0: was obsessed. And he has like he has a man bun. Yes. He's, it got, was, a, he's got a full beard and he's got ma- the
1: Scorsese beard. He's got the bun.
0: Um actually Robert De Niro said he based his portrayal of Louis Seifer on longtime collaborator Martin Scorsese. <laughs> 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 but yeah, like he's uh, so, uh, so he, 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 he uh, Perry Angel meets, uh, Louis, Louise Seifer and his attorney at a sort of prosperity gospel ministry, like a church in Harlem. And mm-hmm. like we, we get a lot of, we get again, religion, a big theme in this movie. And the first, uh, like, sort of introduction to like religious ritual we see is a minister from the pulpit saying, if you love me, I should be in a Rolls Royce, you yeah, know, passing yeah, the yeah. collection plate around. And so. at
1: this point, I was like, "Okay, we're getting a little, a little bit of Alan Parker and uh, the writer of this movie's comments on, you know, race and such." And I'm like, "I that's."
0: I hope we don't get any more of that throughout the movie. <laughs> well, Hessa... Well... Well, I mean, like, it, it, actually, I think, like, the, the way this movie, uh, like, the, the, the themes of race in this movie, like, begin at sort of the periphery in the New York parts. And yeah. then, like, as the movie transitions into New Orleans, they really become front... They become a huge part of this movie and, like, its world of sin and mm-hmm. gravity and the uniquely American evil. Yeah. In, uh, I think, a really disturbing and interesting way. And... So, Louis Cypher,
1: he hires Rourke to Rourke's Hairy Angel to find this guy, Johnny Favorite, who's an old crooner. And you said, Will, that the fans were probably the biggest hint mm-hmm. in um as to what's really going on. I think the biggest hint is the part where Louis Cypher says, <laughs> yeah, Johnny Favorite, he went missing and, uh, you know, he w- went missing after the war. He had amnesia or something, got hit in the head. And then... um. And then Rourke says, you know, I was in the war, too.
0: <laughs> I got hit in the head and they sent me back. Uh, <laughs> like, sort of, uh, if, if you're a very smart movie watcher, I yeah, think you yeah, can yeah. maybe get a hint of where this is going. There's with. some things going on here. It's, and uh, also, uh, another hint as to where this movie's going is uh, when you're hired by a guy named Louise Cipher, who is, like, the weirdest, scariest-looking <laughs> motherfucker you've ever met. Because, you know, like... Uh, listeners, when you first watch this movie, you may notice there's something a little off about this Louis Cipher guy. Yeah. There's something a little bit weird about him and this job he's um, uh, engaging the services of this private investigator for. De Niro kills it, too. He's oh, he's so very good. creepy. He's just oozing, like, sexual creepiness. Uh, like. Uh, Mr., Mr. Cipher, uh, he says he had a contract with Johnny Favorite, and a certain collateral was to be forfeited upon mm-hmm. the death of Mr. Johnny Favorite. And he, is, he, hires, he hires Harry Angel to uh, confirm uh, the whereabouts or death of uh, Johnny Favorite. And then, you know, in doing so, uh, Harry Angel is like, hey. Um. So uh, Johnny Favorite, he was badly injured in the war. His face was disfigured, and he returned with amnesia. <laughs> As you mentioned, Hesse, Harry was also in the service and got a little fucked up in the war himself. Mm-hmm. So. All they know about him is that uh, Johnny Favorite's friends, like the last, the last line they had on him is he transferred him to an uh, asylum in upstate New York. Yep. And then they,
1: Louis Cipher calls the asylum because he's hearing that, oh, Johnny Favorite's there, he's recovering. They go up to check on that after 12 years of just taking their word for it. And they hear, oh, he's not, you know, he's not there. So they hire, and Johnny Favorite, before the war, was a famous crooner. That's part of, and Vork uh, is a like a man
0: with the golden tonsils. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And Vork asks Cipher like, "What are you, his manager?" So- <laughs> and uh, De Niro's like, "No, no, 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 not his manager. <laughs> it's very, you know, hey, interesting. Look, if you want to get in the
0: entertainment industry, just be just be careful about who you sign a contract with. That's yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. So- Find a guy with a man bun. Go <laughs> check his um, nails." So, like, uh, so uh, Harry Angel, he he travels to upstate and has, like, I I really, I just, I love the beginning of this movie and I especially it's love so the good. scene where he goes upstate because it just has this, like, it's just, like, it has, it has the, it captures the grim bleakness of New York in winter. Oh, yeah. And, like, he uh, basically, he discovers that the doctor of record for Johnny Favorite is, like, this morphine addict who lives in some shithole. And he says, like, oh, like, he basically... Uh, Mickey Rourke discerns that like, he basically faked a uh, transfer to another hospital in Albany and has just been accepting payoffs from someone to just make it seem like Johnny Favorite is still the ward of the asylum he worked at. And I really love all this stuff with uh, Mickey Rourke and this doctor. Because oh, like, yeah. he's like, basically Mickey Rourke pressures him by just being like, I know you got like a pit in your stomach right now thinking about all the morphine you have in your refrigerator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to lock you in your bedroom. And just, like, you let that dope sickness take a hold of you for a little while. And, like, you know, I'll come back in an hour or so and ask you some more questions. He's like, I'll come back and give you all the goodies you got in your freezer. Like, yeah, I'll bring you, I'll you a little snack. I knew you didn't want a cheeseburger and a shake, <laughs> so, you know. So, yeah, like, and, th- and then we get our first, it was when Robert De Niro is when you first see a fan. And, he, like, he's twirling his cane around in circles as well. But, like, he, le- he leaves this junky doctor, like, locked in his own bedroom. And then there's a window fan, like, in the window that begins sort of turning on its own and then turns back the other way. Uh, Harry Angel, Mickey Rourke, like, he goes, out, he goes out to a diner. He gets himself a hamburger. he yeah, gets yeah, himself yeah. a he cheeseburger. Gets a burger, he gets some coffee. But, um, before, so, like, he walks by a church and begins to hear this, like, ominous telltale heart beating. Yeah. And, like, the doors open and close. And we, it gets... It's water this. dripping into yeah. uh, a dish from uh, the leaking roof. And there is, like... Uh, and then once again, like in in the doctor's like shithole, like uh, opium den, like I just once again, like just all the great like just his like, morphine needles and all and this like like just like I, I it's the thing that bothers me in movies like nowadays when like set design, it's like everyone's house seems like a hotel room. Yeah, it seems like it's like these prefab houses where there's mm-hmm. no like sort of like these archaeological layers of like the time people have lived there and like all just like this shit and garbage and dust that's collected. Yeah. It feels like it's lived in. They feel like lived in, like, spaces, you know? So after encountering these, like, rather ominous, <laughs> foreboding uh, portents of, you know, water dripping and church doors slamming open and shut and a heart beating in the back of his mind, he uh, he goes back to check on the uh, the doctor, uh, you know, who's maybe, like, a, a few hours sweating through his fucking, <laughs> sweating through his sheets, well, maybe loosened his tongue, he goes back to the doctor's house to find him uh shot through the eyeball, mm-hmm. just dead. Like, and mm-hmm. he's like, okay, great, now I'm a murder suspect. In, yeah. <laughs> in this case, like. Um, and then he meets again with Luis Saifera, and then we get like, I think maybe like one of the most famous scenes in this movie, the egg scene. The egg scene, I was I was like, they kiss, kiss, kiss. <laughs> <laughs> uh the egg scene is uh, Robert De Niro is he meets him in a cafe and he is with his like Creepy long ass fingernails, like laboriously and intricately peeling the shell off a hard boiled egg before telling Mickey Rourke that in some religions, the egg is considered the symbol of the soul. Mm -hmm. And he goes, Would you like an egg? And then Mickey Rourke goes, I got no, I I got to think about chickens. Hey, I'm from Brooklyn. I don't like no (laughs) egg. What are you talking about? (laughs) And then De Niro looks at him and puts the egg, the whole hard boiled egg in his mouth and bites it and just about the like he just. Bites into this egg and just about one of the most sinister and horrifying images ever put on film is De Niro biting into this egg. even
1: before that, he pours like an entire shaker of salt on top (laughs) and then
0: just blows the top gently and then just... (sighs) So basically... Like, you know, as, as Harry is cajoled into continuing to investigate this case, even though he's now a murder suspect um, by De Niro offers him like five grand, which like back then was like, you know, oh, yeah. 10 million dollars. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's sort of like against his better judgment. He continues to investigate the case of uh, Johnny Favorite tracking down some of his old bandmates and like former former people who sort of knocked around and like in, in, the, in the world of music and the occult before mm-hmm. World War Two. And, uh, you know, there's an old band leader, and then eventually it leads him to uh, Coney Island, and he's like looking for like an associate of Johnny Favorites who was known as Madame Zora, who was mm-hmm. like a fortune teller on Coney Island. And Hessa, uh, uh, the Coney Island and his nose shield is one of my favorite. Uh, the
1: nose shield I was loving. I was. I was like, are those
0: real? I looked it up. I was like, whoa, no shit. <laughs> it was before suntan lotion. People would have like a little, it was just like a little thing you would attach to the bridge of your glasses that would just cover your nose. So it you looks could, like a half of a dog neck cone <laughs> that you just put over your nose. And once again, there's, a, and like up until this point, uh, like it's portrayals of like the, the streets and like cafes and sort of like, offices of New York City is like, it's very claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. And then he gets to Coney Island and there's this great like open shot of like, of the beach and like the huge like sort of like gray blue sky. But before that, we see of course Harry Angel framed by the famous Coney Island Wonder Wheel. Mm -hmm. Another wheel fan, Mm -hmm. you know, going in circles, coming back to where you start always Mm -hmm. at any given point. But there's a, I just want to like, there's a great line where he's talking to this guy who's like a, Who's the uh, the husband of someone he used to knew, know, Madame Zora? And like the clue here is that, um, like Madame Zora, like what is this woman who is from a very rich, prominent New Orleans family named, uh, uh, Margaret Cruzmark. Mark? So like all trails now lead him away from New York to yeah. uh, New Orleans. But all signs point to New Orleans. There's also
1: um, like another associate named, um, Epiphany
0: Proudfoot. Evangeline Proudfoot is like yeah, he, Proudfoot. he learns that yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny Favorite had a secret lover who was this like sort of voodoo priestess named Evangeline mm-hmm. Proudfoot in New Orleans, and it's like it's been a sort of a it was like he had a, a secret love in addition to Margaret Cruzmark Mark. This Johnny Favorite guy, he got around, yeah, 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 he got around. He had a lot of friends. He a lot seems of like bad news to me. I don't <laughs> yeah. know, and it gets worse and worse oh, and yeah, worse yeah, 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 as yeah, he gets yeah. to New Orleans. But uh, just one thing I want to highlight from the uh, the Coney Island scene, which I think is just. It's just beautiful, funny, like, and you get, like, just a bit of, like, Rourke's, like, dry humor and, like, in this screenplay. Like, when he's talking to the guy who's, like, a, a, a geek, he says, uh, he's like, what are you doing? Like, because it's, like, the winter and he's still sitting out on the beach in Coney mm-hmm. Island and he's like, my wife likes it for varicose veins, you know, she's getting a little big. <laughs> and then he asks him, what do you do in the summer? And he goes, I bite the heads off of rats. And he goes, then what do you do in the winter? And he goes, the same. <laughs> so... Uh, and we've also,
1: we've glossed over, but there's two scenes where, up to this point where it's shown that Rourke has a pension with the ladies, and it's, he gets the doctor's address by seducing a lady at the hospital, and then he is, he has this, like, um, his gal Friday,
0: sort of like like a secretary slash journalist to get him some, like, uh, you know, court documents or medical records. Yeah, a secretary assistant that he's having a kind of
1: affair type thing with, and, um... So he's definitely quite a ladies' man, almost like this Johnny
0: Favorite guy. It's kind of, it's funny. (laughs) I mean, like, the similarities between the two continue to pile up. Yeah, it's interesting. So, about a third of the way through the movie, like, there's a market shift as he arrives in New Orleans, and it goes from the the cold, bitter, grim, uh, northeastern cold sheen to the very extremely sweaty, warm sheen of Louisiana. He takes off his jacket, and his pit stains are down... Halfway down his knees, basically, (laughs) but yeah, like just the uh, the two main locations for this movie, and like the mark shift in like the feel and look of this movie when he arrives in New Orleans is really cool. Mm -hmm. And again, like this is one of the best New Orleans movies ever made because like most of the movie takes place in New Orleans, and it's themes of like the occult and witchcraft. What better city? Oh, yeah, it's set in. This is based on a novel um, that called Falling Angel that originally was all set in New York City. But in adapting the movie, it was actually the author of the novel that suggested to Alan Parker that they make a switch in location oh, to okay. New Orleans, because you know, like uh, New York, uh, pretty sinister. But like, if you're going to be dealing with the occult, mm-hmm. New York is not the most magical place on earth. That's, oh yeah, 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 that's reserved for Los Angeles, the city of dreams, uh, and New Orleans, the yeah, city yeah, yeah, of yeah. black occult magic. So uh, in New Orleans, like, he has a lead on a former a guitar player named Toot Sweet, who used to play in Johnny Favorite's band, and. Uh, he, he like he he contacts him there, um, and then again we like at, at certain points in this movie we begin to see more like as happened like before he goes back to the uh, morphine addicted doctor we begin to see it like critical moments in this movie Angel begins to like look in a mirror, <laughs> glue, and have these sort of like semi flashbacks that are like really eerie and frightening and well done. We like mm-hmm. we just see like little bits of it at a time. We see like. A, a shrouded figure walking up this spiral staircase. We see the facade of a building with one red lit window. We see uh, two people kissing in Times Square. Yeah, we see like uh, scenes of like New Year's Eve on Times Square, sort of a VJ day type scene. Mm-hmm. And like usually, it's a a window or ceiling fan or like the spinning reels of a tape that sort of like introduce these uh, sort of like excursions into like mm-hmm. well, okay, like what's going on here. It reminded me of Exorcist Three. All these. Oh my God! Kind of, yes. Yeah. Yes, like another movie that really uses like um, uh, like the the details of like inner like of, of inner spaces, like yeah. little, like like the ticking of a clock, you know, or like the, the shuffling of papers, the bottles, yeah, like to create like a really in, like just sort of suffocating sense of dread. And, yeah, and this movie really does in a great way as well. So, you go, okay, and the the other contact that he had in New Orleans is of course uh, Madame Zora, aka Margaret Cruise played by the great Charlotte Ramplin. Mm-hmm. When I saw Charlotte Ramplin, I had no clue she was in this movie, yeah. truly. And I gasped. I was like, oh, shit. And I, like, also, like, one of the first things you see uh, Mickey Rourke do uh, when he gets to New Orleans is take one of their iconic streetcars, mm-hmm. just like ATF agent Doug Carlin. It's part of his process. But like, I think it's part of his process too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think it's very interesting that like he gets on this uh, iconic New Orleans streetcar and he sits in the back and he sits right in front of a sign that says "For Colored Patrons Only." And again, I think it's interesting that like a lot of the early parts of this case take place in Harlem in New York City, but then as soon as he gets into the South in New Orleans, like I said, like this movie's. Um, the race as a big theme of this movie starts out at the periphery. And then when he gets to New Orleans, like, you know, when he sees, like, the bright glaring signs of, like, segregation in the 1950s Louisiana, it really becomes to the the foreground. Yeah. And uh, so, like, he visits Madame Cruzmark to uh get his fortune read mm-hmm. and then gives her the, say, the birthday of Johnny Favorite. And she's February like, 14th, February 14th, Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day yeah. And, you know, she's like, oh, like I had a friend who had that birthday. And he's like, well, why don't you just give me his chart to save some time? And she goes, no, you wouldn't like his chart. Mm-hmm. Again, another thing, uh, another thing that you might have noticed watching this movie so far, starting with Robert De Niro and then with uh, Madame Cruzmark and Toot Sweet, They all have um, pentagram jewelry of some kind. Toot yeah. Sweet has a, a gold tooth with a pentagram in it. Robert De Niro has a ring with a pentagram on it. And uh, Margaret Cruzmark has a necklace with a pentagram mm-hmm. on it. And also, Margaret Cruzmark's like sort of fortune-telling New Orleans apartment is, is so gorgeous. so gorgeous. It's so cool. And again, like um, overlaid with like all kinds of like interesting knickknacks, including a ceremonial dagger that Mickey Rourke plays with at one mm-hmm. point, and a, a vase that you know sort of jing- there's something jingling in there. Probably not. Probably not important. Yeah. Probably we'll not. That not later. important to the movie. So, a bit by bit, he begins to, like, make contact with all these people he used to know Johnny Favorite. And, uh, like, and one of the leads he follows is, like I said, this secret lover who was, like, a sort of, uh, like, a voodoo priestess. And uh, he go, sort of goes out to the bayou to, like, the really, like, poor, like, ramshackle, like, black part of Louisiana and uh, discovers that Evangeline Proudfoot is dead, mm-hmm. but her daughter, played by Lisa Bonet... yeah. Is alive. A very Epiphany. long look, young looking Lisa Bonet. Epiphany, which proudfoot. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's like he, he meets her and she's making some sort of like like rich like offering to her grave and like and with her is her son. Mm-hmm. She's, she's a young mom and and of course you know Harry Angel is like you're a very pretty girl, Epiphany. Your name suits you very and pretty girl. You know I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't know if you of that. And I gotta say, uh, like I think one of the first scenes we see Epiphany, um. She's like, she's like ducks her head under like an outdoor faucet to wash her hair. And she's wearing a a white T-shirt. And like, let's just say she gets very wet in this scene. Mm -hmm. And Lisa Bonet is stunning in this movie. She is gorgeous. This was like, I think her first, this was a film role that she took to like, really like separate herself from the Cosby show. Mm -hmm. And apparently uh, we'll talk about the scene with her later, but let's just say Bill Cosby was very upset about this. movie. Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> I can imagine um it's a little upsetting. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, yeah, well, well yeah it, it it certainly goes places, so uh you know, then like as Harry angel begins like you know the further he gets into this case, the more he just starts noticing that it's just like it's all occult religion, it's just yeah, like yeah, yeah. every every aspect of this case deals in one way or another with. A cult ritual, mm-hmm. like uh, the 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 guitar player, the blues guitar player. At one point, he's trying to talk to him in a men's room, and the guy clams up because someone leaves like a chicken foot. Mm-hmm. Like a sort of like a, like tied off as like a talisman, meaning shut your mouth. Once again, chickens. He's got a thing again. To mm-hmm. uh, Toots says to him at some one point, We ain't all Baptists down here, Sonny. Yeah. And like at one point, he, he trail he, he follows Toots out to the bio and sees like a, a voodoo ritual at which Epiphany is sort of a priestess, just like her mom. She slits the throat of a chicken and there's like all kinds and of. Dances like, yeah. in the blood, he drinks Dances it. in the
1: blood, is like, dries eating the ground, which was interesting. It's very. It's very sensational. It's very interesting. And he's just watching from the bushes like, (laughs) this is not for me. Like, I ain't seen nothing like this in (laughs) Brooklyn. You know what I mean? (laughs) Maybe up in Harlem. Maybe they got something like that. And when he is in Harlem, he does find like a crazy shrine. Oh, yeah. With like a a monkey
0: head in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, wow, black people really got some crazy stuff going on, you know? (laughs) Uh, uh, Well, you know, Johnny Favorite is sort of a uh, a culture vulture, you know? There's quite a lot of uh, appropriation going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, uh, so like, he gets into it again with Toots, this, uh, and like, you know, sort of presses him on like, you know, what the hell is going on out there? And then, not before, you know, going into, you know, elevator, stairs, red window, he goes into that mode again. And then like, Immediately, is just seen, like, uh, again, in one of these, like, weird semi-dream sequences, he's, like, soaked in blood, approaching this shrouded figure of what appears to be an elderly woman sitting in front of an electric chair. Yeah. He then wakes up in his hotel room to be rousted by two disgusting New Orleans homicide detectives who tell him that now Toots is dead. Uh, Someone killed him by cutting his dick and balls off and stuffing it down his throat, so he choked to death. Yeah, not a great way to go. But mm-hmm. once again, like every, everywhere Harry goes, people die, and everyone, yeah. and then everyone connected to Johnny Favorite in any way keeps turning up dead. Shortly after, uh, Toot Sweet has his, is castrated and then choked to death on his own equipment. He goes back to Cruise Mark's uh, Voodoo uh, fortune telling apartment to find her dead cut open with someone who had cut out her heart and put
1: it in like a tray. This is a really I love this scene because he is like devastated. It's like very he's really horrified. Yeah, and he almost like, vomits. Like he like, yeah. he's like he's like he's like he's like like he can't take it. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. she's like
0: he's cut open and then he finds her heart just on her desk. Mm-hmm. At this point, like, like some sort of uh, it's not just say, hey, look, it's not just uh, black people doing weird religious shit in the South. It's everyone in the South, mm-hmm. <laughs> including the whites as well, who are like, you know, wading into the river to do baptisms. And then like he starts getting trailed by. I guess what I'd imagine are sort of like Jock's relatives. Yeah, Jacques. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jock's family. Oh, Grandpa Bozo is following him around. <laughs> they have a they they keep seeking <laughs> dogs on him and in my favorite yeah. scene, they dump him into a vat of crawdads, which is like the most yeah. bayou way of like being like, get out of here, you go back up north. <laughs> we didn't even season those crawdads before we dunked you in there. Right? Yeah, he gets dumped into uh, yeah, like so these guys beat the shit out of him. Uh, they told her to, to get lost. You go, like He sees Epiphany again after these like, you know, Bayou types beat the shit out of him and put crawdads down his pants. Uh, and then we, we get another revelation about Johnny Favorite from Epiphany. It's An that, epiphany, if you will. Uh, yes, is that Johnny Favorite is her father mm-hmm. and that he never came back from the war and her mom died sad and alone. Mm-hmm. He meets Louise Seifer for like the last time in another church in yeah. New Orleans. And they have another conversation about religion in which Louise Seifer says... There's just enough religion in the world to men make make men hate each other, but not enough to make them love. And, you know, like this is where he goes, like, you know, are you an atheist, Mr. Angelo? And he goes, yes, I am. I'm from Brooklyn. Hey, I'm from Brooklyn. What <laughs> do you want? No, I believe in pizza. I believe in
1: the
0: the, the subway. You know what I mean? <laughs> I believe in Joe DiMaggio and the, and the New York Free Yankees. Go to a right? corner <laughs> store, get a chopped cheese. You know what I mean? Oh, you come with play playing. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> um, and so you put it that like uh, Angel Heart, you know, uh, bears some similarities with Deja Vu, not just in the New Orleans setting, but particularly the line that that stuck out to me, that is sort of like echoes with Deja Vu, is that um, Louise Cipher tells Harry Angel, the future isn't what it used to be, Mister Angel. Mm-hmm. So the idea is like the the future is being changed right now mm-hmm. in the past. So, and then he's just like level me like what the fuck is going on here like what like what, why am i doing this job why is all this religion shit going on and he goes back to the hotel and epiphany is waiting for him yep and he asks epiphany "What, well, you know what did your mom see in a guy like johnny favorite and you know it's always the bad boys it's mm-hmm. always the bad boys uh, Epiphany tells him uh, her mother told him that she always said Johnny Favorite was as close to true evil as she ever wanted to be, <laughs> oh <my laughs> and God. that he was a terrific lover. Mm-hmm. And then Harry Angel says, "How old are you?" Epiphany says, 17 He goes, "A little young for a kid." And then she describes it like a—it's a, it's, it's a friend. She has a son. She, she yeah, has she a has little, a son yeah. that we've seen. Yeah, he says, "A little young to have a kid," and like, "Who's the father?" And she says, like, I think it's a French word she uses for meaning mounted by the god. Chevalier. Chevalier, mounted by the god. So it's sort of like a, like a, you know, like almost like a Virgin Mary type experience, which she describes as the best fuck I ever had. Mm-hmm. We can see where this scene is going. We, this is probably one of the most famous scenes in the movie, one of the most controversial. This was crazy. I regard this as probably, like, one of the hottest and most disturbing sex scenes. I've Like, rarely in movies do sex scenes get this explicit. And yeah. The, and this, like... Horny, but like also very upsetting. Yeah. Like how? Like how would you describe this sex scene? Because like it starts out and it's just like two of the sexiest people ever. I mean, way too young for him. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It start like it's, it's a scene that starts out and like they're listening to this old timey song and it's raining. Yeah. Of course, in New Orleans. What do we see again? Dishes yeah, it's raining. All rain. The time.
1: Yeah, the falling water. There's like a leak in the ceiling and it's going into like one of those trays we've seen over and over again. So they start making out. They start. You know, making love on the bed, and then they start fucking. like, yeah. like really fucking, like fully naked. You see uh, Rourke on top. You see his bare butt, his tiny little butt, and then you see um, Lisa Bayonet, Bonet underneath. And after a point, it looks like she's kind of
0: trying to squirm
1: out. Almost, yeah, this It's is, very.
0: This is like it, it's it's a really like interesting sex scene because like it starts out, and as you said, it's like. It's very kind of like erotic and nice and like tender, and then it just turns on a dime and it gets yeah. really intense and like the water ch- turns to blood, and the whole room of this like shitty New Orleans hotel room is like the walls are just pouring blood. Yeah, and they're pouring and it's pouring like it's a mixture of water and blood, drenching them on the bed as Harry Angel begins to like violently violently yeah. uh, like throttle Lisa Bonet and it's she's, like, like two animals wrestling and she's together. like screaming and like very clearly like it's not like it's it's turned it's t- taken a turn it's taken say. a turn yeah and yeah, yeah. like the first time I saw this movie Hesse you just saw it like I, you're not really prepared for it I was <laughs> yeah. taken aback I was like whoa it's <laughs> okay. like I, you know I think this movie like the original cut he had to cut like 10 seconds out of this scene I think the version that you can see now is unexpurgated but like it's a it's a very intense and very explicit sex scene Mm-hmm it's a cool scene. It's a really good scene. Um but Hesse, here here's the important question about this and all sex scenes. Was it necessary? What you did know, it achieve? You know, I think there should it should have
1: cut to a man in a suit in before in <laughs> front of a white background and you should have said the next thing that happened is that they had sex. And then it <laughs> should like fade out and fade back in on the movie. Um, but um watching this I was like damn like that was kind of an evil sex scene but you know hopefully not as evil as Johnny Favorite her dad yeah. who
0: uh, we know i mean like is an evil guy is true evil but also a great leg. yeah 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 so basically uh, the, the cops are still on him because now they're aware that Margaret Cruzmark has been brutally murdered just like Toot Sweet mm-hmm. but the difference being uh she's from a rich white family and actually matters yeah so and they say, they just say that to him yeah, too yeah. like and like you know, like and he says like they see Lisa Bonet like in his hotel room, and they like they get real nasty. They're like you know we don't mix with the jigaboos down here, and they're like mm-hmm. they're here to clean it up or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like I said, like the the racism and like the evil in this movie like becomes more intense as as the movie goes on. Johnny Favorite is then sort of um, accosted by Jacques family again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Jacques family shows <laughs> up and is like, um, and then like chase him into a chicken coop at one point. Yeah,
1: it's and, like Indiana Jones in. Uh, Last
0: Crusade when it's River Phoenix in the yeah, in the yeah, snake yeah, car, yeah. Um, so then like he goes to the he goes down back into the bayou to see like uh, Cruise Marks, Charlotte Rampling's uh, family. Like her dad is this rich guy, and I like this scene because we see really all of the best that Louisiana has to offer. And, you know, oh yeah, 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 skinning nutrias, cooking gumbo, yeah. horse racing, cockfighting, the craziest. Like
1: this is the part where I was like, oh, it's it's. The white people are crazy down yeah. there too. It's yeah, not it's, just everyone like, is into like it's the, just the South. Yeah. Because there's, when it first cuts to the estate, there's someone on like skinning nutria rats and like uh, chickens, and there's a crowd watching like like it's an execution going on. Like <laughs> they're it's a cheering scaffold. as he like peels the like, nutria like a yeah, stock. Cheering. <laughs> it's just the guy skinning animals and throwing them into a big
0: bucket. <laughs> and the crowd's like, yeah, woo. It's like Jesus Christ. Uh so then like he finally confronts um uh Charlotte Rampling, Margaret Mark's father, who is we we've learned before is a very rich and powerful man in Louisiana. Yeah, he looks like he's about to call him Mr. Gitz basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He tells him he tells her father that it was pr- he's like Johnny Favorite in all likelihood is the one who killed your daughter. And 12 years ago, you and your daughter sprung him out of that asylum under it was like so it was the dad who helped her do that. Mm-hmm. And he says they dropped The last thing they saw of Johnny Favorite is they dropped him in Times Square. Interesting. Yeah. And then he begins to tell him that, uh, you know, like black and white magic, it's all the same thing. He tells him, like, the Prince of Darkness protects the powerful Mm -hmm. and always has. And he says, I introduced Johnny Favorite to my daughter. I, I saw Johnny Favorite conjure up the devil himself in front of me. He sold his soul to the devil to be very powerful. He sold his soul to stardom, but he thought he could outwit the bill. So what did they do? him and Margaret discovered this like ancient arcane, very serious ritual to steal the soul of another man and pawn it off as the one owed to Satan. They picked him up. They picked up a soldier on New Year's Eve, 1943. And like earlier in one of the flashbacks, you see this very haunting moment of like the back of this serviceman. And it's like this VJ Day style scene. He's kissing his best gal or whatever. And the hand reaches out and sort of selects him. From this audience. Mm-hmm. And he's
1: always just about to turn around. You're yeah. just about to see his face and you never do.
0: And uh, so like they, they picked up this uh, serviceman. They took him back to the hotel to do uh, the ceremony. The hotel room being the red window that we've seen earlier in these dream sequences. Mm-hmm. And they sliced, uh, Johnny Favorite sliced out and ate his still beating heart. But before uh, they could work it out, he was drafted and sent to the World War II in which he was disfigured and sent home to... With amnesia, but not before he sealed the dog tags of the man that they killed and whose heart they ate and soul they stole into a vase Mm -hmm. and gave it to Margaret. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is when he goes into his like dream state again. He wakes up and the dad is boiled to death in a pot of gumbo. The most most New Orleans way you can be murdered. Mm -hmm. And basically, he goes back. He flees to Margaret Krusemark's apartment to the crime scene, finds the vase. And Hesse, you're not going to believe this. The dog tags in the vase... Spoiler say, alert, by the way, everyone. Um, skip this part if you don't want to know what uh, what happens in this movie. The dog tags in the vase say, Harold Angel. Mm-hmm. And then he just goes, No! I know who I am. I know who I, I, know am. Who I am. I know who I am. And then, lo and behold, Mr. Louise Cipher, Uh folks... Which, wait, a wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Louise Cypher. Say that name again. That sounds a bit like Lucifer. <laughs> And then he says, Mephistopheles is just such a mouthful in New York. And hey, in Brooklyn, we don't know no one named Mephistopheles. Get out of town. <laughs> and he's like, "And he's like, well, Johnny, you made it. You solved the case. <laughs> and he's going like, because uh, for 12 years, you've been living on borrowed time with another man's memories. And he goes, I know who I am. You're trying to frame me. He goes, you murdered all those people. And he goes, uh, and, and Winesap, Dan Florek, the lawyer, also dead, the only person in this movie who knows the connection between Harry Angel and Johnny Favorite is his, like, his Gal Friday secretary, who mm-hmm. like, is sort of like his best gal back in New York. Yeah. She's not murdered. Originally, they, in like, the original script and the shooting script for this movie, there were scenes in which you saw both Winesap, the lawyer, and the, the girl who was in the movie also be murdered. So basically, like, anyone who knew about any connection between Johnny Favorite and Harry Angel is dead and brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. Louise Cypher says to him, there's death everywhere these days, but what gives human life it's worth anyway? Because someone loves or hates it, the flesh is weak. Only the soul is immortal and yours belongs to me. And then you get a shot out of nowhere a De Niro with these yellow eyes staring yeah. at him and pointing with his long, gross fingernails. With like Rosemary's baby eyes. Yeah. The, Rose- the eyes that the baby has. Yeah, really disturbing. And then we get to see like then we get to see a highlight reel of, like, all the gruesome murders that Johnny murders. Favorite slash Harry Angel has
1: committed. My favorite is when he's killing uh, Toot Sweet and he has... Um, the straight razor. Yeah, he has the straight razor. He's covered in blood, and he just takes the hand with the straight razor and just, like, sm- delicately smokes a cigarette as he's cutting the guy's
0: dick off to shove in his mouth. Uh, well, I mean, we'll get into it in the next movie we talk about, but, man, oh, man, is there anyone who can smoke a cigarette better on film than Mickey Rourke? Oh, no. I it's- mean, like... It's like uh, Rourke, Denny, Levant. Like, <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a short list.
0: But like, yeah, like I, you know, smoking cigarettes is cool. People smoking them in movies, even cooler than that. And uh, Mickey Rourke, just about, the just about the coolest. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's one other person who was aware of the connection between Harry Angel and Johnny Favorite, and that's Epiphany Proudfoot. See where this is going? He goes back to his hotel room to find her murdered body. Not only that. Johnny Favorite, Harry Angel, Johnny Favorite, Epiphany's father, mm-hmm. that really disturbing sex scene that we that we saw earlier in the movie was an act of incest. It was an act of ex- mm-hmm. extreme incest. Extreme. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, son, where'd you find this? <laughs> Dadpip.com. Real incest shit. <laughs> so yeah, like uh yeah, if that's sex, folks, uh, for people out there uh, traumatized by sex scenes, uh, if it wasn't bad enough before you knew uh, that this was a father on daughter act of violent lovemaking, uh, this is uh, really, really bad now. So the cops are waiting for him. His daughter, brutally murdered body. He is killed. He killed her by putting a gun in her vagina. Also yeah, he, he shot
1: her, as the cops so delicately put it. You, you're the one to put the gun up in their snatch.
0: Pull <laughs> yeah. the trigger. Like He's seeing this is like, you know, all life has left him. And this has one, one of my favorite last lines of a movie. And what, here's the thing. One of the cops has a, his Johnny favorite, his grandson, has lived through this. And the cop says, you're going to burn for this angel. And he says, I know in hell. And then we see the grandson point at him with the yellow Robert De Niro eyes. Yeah. Movie over. And it goes into a very long end credit scene. It's one of my favorite like end credits of a movie. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. It really makes you watch to the very end of the credits because like we get this long and like haunting, haunting scene of Harry... Going down in this long elevator ride, and one of those old elevators with like the pull doors, and you see like each sta- each each floor of the building go by, and it's all just drenched in shadow and light as it like moves, and like the the shadows cast by like the grates of the elevator like pass over him. Such a good end credit sequence. Of, it's like very like Carl Theodore
1: Dreyer, in, like t- oh, very man. you know if if it was black and white with uh you know piano music German style. In the background, it would be right at home. You wouldn't even notice.
0: It's basically uh, Harry Angel slash Johnny Favorite is in a cage going to hell. Mm-hmm. And like earlier, like the, the, the vision of the electric chair is like, it's very clear. Like he's, yeah, he's going to be executed for all the murders he's committed. But moral of the movie here, uh, you can't cheat Satan. Yeah. As much as you may like to think you can, if you sell your soul, the devil is going to come get his due. The moral of the movie, A. Eh? Stick to Brooklyn, all right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to go across the bridge, okay. You don't need to go down south to wherever that is. You know what I mean?
0: No, yeah, exactly. Just, just stay in New York. Don't fuck with any of that devil shit. Mm-hmm. And then, like, oh uh, yeah, like don't sell your soul to be a crooner. <laughs> yeah, 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 a crooner too. Like, God, what? Uh, just as like, imagine. As like, I remember like when you used to post the, those lists of like the best songs of like the 1900s. And yeah. It was like every one of those guys <laughs> sold their soul to Louise Cipher to perform the great <laughs> hits such as "Let's Take an Old Fashioned Walk." <laughs> yeah. And "Old
1: Sycamore Tree." I need an old Irish lady just <laughs> as good as my mother.
0: <laughs> All right, so let's take a break. All right we are back for the second of our work double feature we're moving on from angel heart to barbe schroeder's barfly uh, barbe schroeder is a very interesting director who uh, we've actually on choppa we've already done a movie episode on reversal of fortune his klaus von bulow alan dershowitz movie uh, barbe schroeder has done some other movies like single white female he did that movie murder by numbers which is sort of like a like aughts era kind of like pretty, pretty standard, like probably like a work for hire job. But he also has done a number of fascinating documentaries, including a general about uh, Idi Amin called General Idi Amin Dada, in which he's like, he went to Uganda during Idi Amin's reign and like basically just said, like, we'd love to make a movie about you, sir. And just let him talk. Yeah, and it's, it's like a crazy it's, it's movie. It's fucking insane. Highly recommend Yeah. It. And then he did another fascinating documentary called Terror's Advocate about this French lawyer named Jacques Vergès who was basically like the defense attorney for like... He was like basically a zeleg figure to like all of the terrorism of the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> and then it would go on to defend Nazi war criminal Klaus Barbie when he was finally arrested and sent back to France to face trial for being the, the butcher of Lyon. And like he like became just about one of the most hated people in the nation of France because he chose to defend this Nazi war criminal and really used the trial to put all of France on trial to be like, hey, you guys were all Nazis in World yeah. War II. I don't know what the fuck you're. Hey, why 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 are you picking on this guy just because he was known as the Butcher of Lyon? You guys were all the regular guys of Leon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was the baker of Leon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The the cafe of Leon. (laughs) Sometimes uh, I just get tired of thinking of all the things that I don't want to do. All the things that I don't want to be. Your life is just a bunch of cats. You can't work. And you can't fight. I could look at a woman's legs for hours. I got nothing but time. You know, every time I get with a woman, something happens. Stop, we You're a Henry Chinaski. I'm
1: one of the main producers of the Contemporary Review of Art and Literature. We've discovered you. Oh,
0: hmm. well, I had an idea that I'd be discovered after my death.
1: How does it feel to be on the other end?
0: Baby, look around. It's a, it's a cage with golden bars. Either you get out of here or I'm going to peel you away from your perfume. We don't have to be barflies right down at the grave. Mickey Rourke.
1: Just one thing. I don't ever want to fall in love.
0: Fade Dunaway. away. Don't worry. Nobody's ever loved me yet. Barfly. Life on the edge. But yes, it's so this is, a, this is um, written by Charles Bukowski. This is the only screenplay he ever did, featuring his sort of literary alter ego, Henry Chinosky, played by Mickey Rourke. And Mickey Rourke playing Henry Chinosky makes a lot of a lot of big choices playing this role. Like, a lot of
1: incredible choices
0: that I was loving every step of the way. So he talks the whole movie like this, you know? He like, talks he, like this. And like, in addition to how funny his voice is, his walk in this movie is like he walk. every time you see him walking in this movie, he's walking like he just shit his pants. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> he walks like Freddie Quill in uh, The Master, kind yeah. of. A lot of great body acting from Mickey Burke in this movie. But look, uh, I, no need to get Uh, as bogged down in the details of the plot of this movie as we did in Angel Heart because there really is no plot in this movie. This is a a vibes movie. And I don't know if you I caught it the the cinematography by the great Robbie Muller. Mm -hmm. And if you love, like I do, LA at night, this movie is so gorgeous. It is so beautiful. And like the opening credits of like this sort of like cheesy lounge music playing over like a kind of like a, a series of like, outdoor shots of, like, all of the beautiful old signage of these mm-hmm. dive bars in L.A. It's like the lights going on in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. It's like that sequence. And, like, um, most of these are real bars. I think the smog cutter is still around in L.A. But, yeah, this is a L.A. at night movie. And, I don't know, like, for me, there really is nowhere else in America like L.A. at nighttime. L.A. during the day feels like pretty much everywhere else in America. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But L.A. at night, there's something like genuinely weird and mysterious and like totally unique about it and this movie captures it brilliantly Mm -hmm. as you said this is a vibes movie i'm gonna take just like a second here to briefly summarize the plot of the movie it goes like this mickey rourke fights frank stallone in an alley Mm -hmm. mickey rourke shacks up with boozy faded beauty played by faye dunaway mickey rourke is then uh discovered by literary uh publisher uh played by the borg queen did you guess that <laughs> the Borg Queen Alice Krieg is who discovers uh, Henry Shinosky in this movie? He is discovered and then goes back to fighting Frank Stallone in an alleyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole movie. That's
1: it's a beautiful full circle. It's almost like the fans in Angel Heart are <laughs> symbolize it. In a Everything brings way. you
0: back to an alleyway with Frank Stallone's fist connecting with your face. Mm-hmm. The
1: first one millisecond into this movie, I knew it was going to be absolute fire because the first thing you see is the canon films logo oh my
0: god go on globus yep. the mark of true quality I've, all men of taste and distinction know when you see oh, that yeah. canon logo you're in for some good those ass two shit. israeli maniacs <laughs> are about to b- blow your mind <laughs> uh charles bukowski actually wrote a novel based on the making of of this movie called Hollywood that is an extremely funny novel that is like sort of a behind a, a lightly fictionalized behind the scenes look uh, at the making of this movie and in the book there is a scene in which the director the Barbe Schroeder character goes into the Canon offices with a chainsaw and threatens to cut his hands off unless they continue funding the movie <laughs> <laughs> how much of that is real how much of it is you know sort of uh, literary uh, elaboration who knows who cares I like how else would I describe that Barfly? Barfly is sort of like if they actually made a movie that was um, Barney Gumble's film Pucahontas from the <laughs> Simpsons Film Festival <laughs> episode. Don't cry for me, I'm already dead. Except like I, because I, like th- this movie does ring a sort of poetic beauty out of like the absolute like desolate. Dest- like just squalor just absolute yeah, yeah. alcoholic squalor but the thing is that's not really true because barfly is just so funny it's amazing and, and, like, and like and and pukehontas was like you know a sort of a a, a a serious sort of um uh pained look at the what um a lifetime of alcoholism does to you whereas this movie makes it seem uh pretty cool pretty yeah, fun it seems like kind of the winning the way to go honestly <laughs> yeah. i was
1: I was kind of sold on it.
0: Yeah, I'm one of the rent race, You know, like yeah, it's um, I hate people. I just feel better when they're not around. Rourke's character, you could
1: he could be described as like the philosophical alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like you know, uh, an alcoholic who likes Mahler, who <laughs> yeah. uh, you know
0: has read uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey. Yeah, he's a fan of. He's a guy dressed in like shit and blood covered rags. And, like, it's truly, it is truly impressive, like, how ugly they make Mickey Rourke for the enti- every frame of, like, every second that he is on film in this movie. He looks like absolute shit. Like, he is, he is filthy. He is besotted. His knuckles are, like, bloody and covered in fucking scabs. And, and, like, for about a half an hour segment of this movie, he is wearing an undershirt that is completely soaked in blood. Absolutely sad. Like, there's even one scene where, where an EMS guy says, Buddy, do you ever change your underwear? And he just goes, <laughs> Sorry. And then the guy goes, Don't apologize,
1: just change your underwear. <laughs> he, um, The way he talks in this movie reminds me of, I think this movie came before it, but um, so I'm sure that it reminds me of uh, Have you seen the movie Twister? Not the tornado one. But uh, the, no. The Crispin Glover and I've Harry ol- Dean Stanton. Oh no, I've only seen I've only seen the uh, the Tornado One. Okay. <laughs> the um it his performance in this really reminds me of Crispin Glover in that movie, which I'm sure was based on him in this movie. Because the way he talks is just so strange <laughs> and
0: unique. <laughs> it's like autistic gay guy. Kind <laughs> of like <laughs> And, like, like I, I I, watched this movie, and, like, I, I, when I watch it, like, I can't separate the humor from the fact that it is a French guy directing this movie who is absolutely reveling and loving and, like, in pornographic quality, just, like, the absolute shithole nature of America. And just, yeah. like, all of the fucking, like, broken-down winos that populate. Because, like, <laughs> when I say this is a Vibe's movie, like... Uh, Mickey is great. He's so funny. Fred Dunaway is awesome too. Like Frank Stallone is Frank Stallone. He's great. Mm-hmm. But like the the stars of this movie are all of the absolutely ramshackle rummies that populate. Like <laughs> yeah. it just hey the Golden Horn Bar. It's like everyone here. They're like it literally is a place where everyone knows your name. He walks friendly in, people like yeah, a, friend, a friendly place. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I don't know. Like who who are some like uh, who are some of your favorite like minor characters in this movie? Um, one of my
1: favorites is the guy who looks like, um, the guy from UHF who gets the nickel and oh, yes, donates yes, $5,000 yes, yes, at yes, the end, yeah, yeah, yeah. who walks into the bar and seems to have a bum arm, but, um, still takes a shot by tying a scarf around his bum arm, putting the shot glass in his hand, and using creating a,
0: a lever and pulley
1: system. Yeah, creating a lever and pulley system with his other arm to kind of... Uh, like
0: <laughs> Jimmy, his arm up to his mouth. This is what I mean about like the the humor of this movie is you know let's just say you have to be a certain kind of psycho to really appreciate how yeah. funny this movie is but like you know humor wrung from the uh, depiction of uh, a, an alcoholic so past so past like r- repair yeah. that like he just sidles up into a bar looking about ninety years old and he's like can I start, please. <laughs> And then and the like on like, oh, the house. And homie. then everyone watches him as like the first one, his hand is so tremorous that he can barely get a gulp in. And the bartender sees this and is just like, next one's on me, old timer. And then he's just like, then he creates the lever and pulley system. Uh-huh. uh There's a number of other spectacular winos in this movie. Uh, very early on in this movie, we see a character, I believe her name is Grandma, Grandma Moses or something like that, who's just. You know, the, That's my favorite. She, yeah, She's my favorite. There, there's a scene where like, uh, like, <laughs> she walks out of the bathroom with this guy, and the guy's going, $20 for head like that is simply unacceptable. <laughs> he's, <laughs> yeah. he's haggling with this toothless <laughs> alcoholic over like how the head he just got in the men's room of a fucking dive bar. Yeah. And he's like, I'll pay 15 for that. And she goes, I do you good, old man. I do you good. I'll pop your champagne cork. And she goes, nobody in this neighborhood can suck paste like I can. Or can, can swallow paste like I can. It's so,
1: it's so Bukowski. <laughs> it's like so crazy. I love... um. Then, later in the movie, it happens again where a guy walks out of the bathroom with her and he goes like, Jesus Christ, you almost sucked the thing off!
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, so crazy. There's another scene where uh, he's, with the, he's with the bougie broad played by Alice Krieg, a.k.a. the Borg Queen from Star Trek Voy- no, Star Trek First Contact. And, like, she goes into the bank to cash a check for him and he's sitting in her Mercedes. And there's, like, you know, there, there's a pro, you know, like, on the strip, on the stroll, mm-hmm. working. And he gets in the car, like gets in the driver's seat and backs up, so he's like parallel to her. And she goes, like she go, she leans into the car and goes, for seventy five bucks, I'll suck your dick so good that like your asshole will pop out or something. <laughs> yeah, like your and asshole goes, tremble like a volcano yeah, yeah. or something. <laughs> and then he just goes to her. He goes, Ooh, I can always tell a class lady. And then she's like, "Fuck you, you faggot!" Like, <laughs> and then that's all he says to her. And then he just pulls, <laughs> he pulls up, like, up. He pulls back up. Pulls back up. Um, and then
1: the classy lady gets into the passenger seat and he's just driving with the biggest grin on his face at like noon blasted like hammered just slowly driving down the street like do 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 it's very it's amazing
0: um, some other highlights of this movie is a scene early on where uh, to, to, in order to get enough change to buy one drink at the bar he's like acts as a go for to get sandwiches for these other fucking like, this one really <laughs> fat guy in like a disgusting suit who's just like, I need my sandwich. He's just like <laughs> eating his lunch. It's like 12 o'clock in the afternoon and he's like, I need needs a sandwich to like put, put on top of all the booze in his body. Yeah. And then like uh, the bartender, there are two bartenders in this movie, one of which is Frank Stallone, who's like his mm-hmm. nemesis. Yeah. And who's like he fights ev- he fights every night. He every walks single into the night. bar. Every single time Frank Stallone is behind the bar. Mickey Rourke just starts abusing him until he just is like, that's enough. We're going to the back. And then like the like the whole first part of the movie is just like, he loses to him first, but then he's like. He's like, oh, he's got no guts, but he goes. The guts I need fuel. The, goods. the guts need fuel. And then, like, <laughs> then he sees this, this fat man. He just brought a sandwich for, and he's like, kept the chain so he can get a drink. He sees him like going mm, ham. I'm loving. Like, and then he grabs the sandwich that he just bought this guy out of his hand and stuffs it in his mouth. It's like barely any sandwich. <laughs> it's like twelve percent of
1: a sandwich is left, and he takes it and just devours it. And I think. I have, like, a grand theory that this this is a film about fuel and about how Rourke's character, he needs that fuel to survive and to fight. And I think at the very end of the movie, a sign that him and Faye Dunaway are really meant for each other is that he's about to fight Frank Stallone. And, like, I think the second last scene at the bar, he's about to fight Stallone, and Faye Dunaway is, like... um, Hey, look, why don't we go home? We'll get you some fuel. And then, and then you can buy him. And he's like, yeah, fuel. That sounds fantastic. Uh, yeah, Henry
0: Chinoski slash Mickey Rourke struggles to eat in this movie are <laughs> yeah. so funny. Because it's like few and far between. Because like any money he does have, he's spending on booze. At one point, he gets fuel by walking into the wrong you room like, in the <laughs> building. In his like unbearably awful like flop yeah. house tenement the most comically disgusting <laughs> room you've yeah. ever seen just like i said every piece of white fabric in this movie is pit state <laughs> yeah, from his bed sheets his, his, his <laughs> filthy wife beater like they're just like it's just oh god the grossness in this movie is so palpable um yeah no he he he's drunk and he like walks out of his shithole and then, like, go to the bathroom or something in their shared, like, SRO toilet. And then, like, is so drunk, he uses his key to open the wrong door and, like, jimmies it open, realizes it's someone else's apartment. He sits not down home. and he's, like, looking around for a few seconds.
1: And you're like, what's he looking at? And then it's, like, a reverse shot and it's, like, a much nicer but still <laughs> kind of city apartment. And he's like, oh, well, as long as I'm here. And he opens the fridge, grabs a bunch of
0: food, and just goes to his room. Uh, yeah, and the, but then that gives him the fuel he needs That's to, the fuel. to defeat... Frank Stallone he, 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 like, he levels up he gets through the Frank Stallone mm-hmm. mini boss before he gets on the Faye Dunaway side quest the Faye Dunaway corn collecting side quest he grimes he farms gold for a little bit <laughs> until he has he has enough potions to make it through the fight And he gets a a wondrous physics of like a wondrous physic of like mad dog (laughs) red wine and like a ham sandwich. And then he goes back to the bar to fight Frank Stallone again, but he whips him this time. Yeah, and when he was like I
1: I thought it was interesting because he loses at the beginning, but then they're fighting and everyone um they're putting bets on it. Yeah. And the odds are three to one. Which I think that's I would take I would take those odds. Yeah, that's pretty good. I thought it would be like twenty to one because it's like Frank's got a bunch of weight; he's (laughs) like a weight class above him, and is not ham. And like he, like you know, like eats
0: food, sleeps in a bed, yeah, yeah, (laughs) 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 brushes his teeth, takes a shower, (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's a little bit fresher for combat. He doesn't have the guts, though. And the no, he does not have the guts. So the first line (laughs) we hear Mickey Rourke say in this movie is like we were introduced to him mid-fight. In this alleyway behind <laughs> yeah. the Golden Horn, <laughs> behind the Friendly Place bar. And one of the things I think is so funny is that all the patrons of this bar... Like the highlight of their day is watching this wino fight Frank Stallone, yes. and they're all just like these like old women, and they're all just cheering them on. They're like, yeah, uh, yeah, out, Eddie, ah. you're so beautiful, Eddie. They have no teeth in their mouth. Frank Stallone beats him the first time, there's like one of these awful harpies in the bar just goes to Frank Stallone. She goes, "Oh, you're a real man." Yeah,
1: they're literally they're so like um, like David Lynch extras. Like
0: <laughs> truly, I got like uh. One of my other favorite characters is, is, like, I don't know how to describe this guy. He's a really old guy that looks like he has no teeth and just has this huge shock of white hair. And then every time, every time him, Frank Stallone and Mickey Rourke get in a fight, he just starts giggling. He's like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I should talk about my favorite character in the movie. I know I said Frank Stallone is his nemesis, but Henry true, uh, his true opponent, is, is this woman who's always at the bar with the most sour look on her face like nursing like one draft beer yeah and she always has like the most sour disgusted look on her face and she's always needling him see the only time she smiles is when he comes back to the bar and Faye Dunaway has left with Frank Stallone and yeah, just after he bought her a drink she's just in the bar grinning this evil look at him hey Henry you gonna buy one you wanna buy one or be one <laughs> And then he, when he buys her a drink, it's like, oh, yeah. she's even sadder than him. Yeah, but it's like, <laughs> um, God, like, uh, there's just so many funny parts of this movie. that are, like, you know, funny if, if you were a sicko like me. Yeah, like for instance, the, re- <laughs> the repeated uh, when Faye, when he moves in with Faye Dunaway. In a, Like a slightly better shithole apartment in L.A. But like, you know, her place at least is not like... It's big. It's a big yeah. place. It's got, like, furniture and stuff. Yeah, but the walls are cardboard, and they're yeah, constantly yeah, yeah. listening to this, like, domestic violence situation in the apartment next door. Yeah. And it's so funny, because, like, all you hear is this guy going, That's it! I've had it! I can't take it no more! Whack, 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 and then... <laughs> ah, <no." laughs> and then, eventually, yeah.
1: he goes in, he's like... Um, that's it, I'm ending it now! I'm ending it right now! As this um, this woman... So this woman comes to the apartment and is like, we've discovered your writing. And we're ready, we're going to make you... Use- we're going to publish you. Yeah. yeah, we're publishing you, and we give you money when we publish you. And meanwhile, they hear like, that's it, I'm going to kill you with my bare hands right now! And then... um. Um, Rock is like yeah, excuse me yeah, excuse one me second. one second <laughs> one second I'm
0: gonna take care of something and
1: then walks over like uh, <laughs> Tom in Tom and Jerry when he's drunk in a cartoon <laughs> is how he walks and he like kicks open the door and the guy and the wife are in there like
0: what the hell, you <laughs> And, and then, he goes, "Hey, you hey, 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 she seen love before? She likes it." And then, like, and then the she woman, sits up, then, like, "Get the fuck yeah, out of here!" Woman, like, this bolts right <laughs> upright in the bed, and she's like, "Who the fuck are you? <laughs> get out of here!" And she's like, hey, you know, to And then, then him and the guy getting a fight. The guy pulls a knife, and then the dude ends up stabbing himself in the fucking stomach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then no, later uh, the, on, the, like the repeated bit with the EMS guys who keep coming to the apartment. Yeah. First, because like, because uh, uh, the, the private detective played by Jack Nance, who um, the Alice Creek character hires, to, like check up on him, mm-hmm. knocks on the door, and this is after Faye Dunaway has hit him in the head with like the corner of her purse. And you know, scalp injuries may he's not kill brained. you, but like it bleeds a lot. Yeah. And like they, he calls the EMS, and like they open the door, and he's there in a like a wife beater soaked in blood. His, his filthy boxer shorts and his entire face. He looks, it looks like the passion of the Christ, basically. Yeah, he looks, looks like, like he's wearing a crown of thorns. Yeah, like, and he's swinging from a bottle and they're like, where's the body? And he's just like, just standing there being like, I did not call you. And they're like, we're not coming back here anymore. Like, he's like, dude, hey, do you know how much every one of these calls costs the taxpayer? <laughs>
1: like go ahead sign here <laughs> and yeah. then they come back a second time when faye dunaway is in bed and says i see an angel an angel's coming to get me and then um she like pretends to die basically and because she's just being dramatic kind of and then mickey work calls the ems they come and they're like we're not taking our way she's fine and she's too fat <laughs> And then the second they leave, Fade Dunaway pulls up to say again. About Faye Dunaway. By yeah, the way. yeah. In this movie is ha- like haggard, like very thin, very emaciated almost. And but great legs. Oh yeah, great legs. Great legs. Hey, great. great she's got of, she spades. got gams <laughs> for days. But um, then she sits up. She's like, "Did you hear what they just called me? They just called me fat. Can they do that?" And then this is the third time they come. They, so he calls them and he's like, "There's a guy. He's gutted. You gotta come." no, it's for real
0: this time. <laughs> please, you have to actually come, please. <laughs> uh, just, it, it's just, you know, LA is wonderful. It life yeah, can. that's yeah. how I feel about this movie. Life is beautiful. <laughs> and I,
1: I, I love when he goes back to see Faye Dunaway and he's like, yeah, they took out the guy uh, next door. <laughs> and then um, Rourke is like, was he alive? And she's like, well, he must have been. He was smoking a
0: cigarette on the on the stretcher when they pull, pulled him out. Uh, There's another great scene with uh, Mickey Rourke and Faye Dunaway, and like one of the few scenes that take place during daytime, like she's going out because she thinks she's gonna like apply for a job or something. Yeah. <laughs> that chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh she, she's trying to light a cigarette, they don't have a lighter, and like Mickey Rourke just approaches just another inc- just elderly bum on the street and is like, I'm gonna gonna light and he's like for you, young man, absolutely. And it just like, it's just like... It's this scene where he's just so happy to light a cigarette for Faye Dunaway. And yeah. he's like, the pleasure was all mine to both of you. And he goes, look, there are angels everywhere. There are angels all around us. the really, he, angels. He really is the philosophical bum. He's like the philosophy <laughs> yeah, yeah. bum. Some people never go crazy. What absolutely horrible lives they must lead. <laughs>
1: yeah. And um, so there's like the whole... The conflict, I guess, if you can call it that, of this movie is kind of this publishing lady is like, look, why don't you live the big life? All right. Why don't you have sex with me? (laughs) I don't know why I'm doing a Brooklyn accent (laughs) for every character. Something about Rourke being in these
0: movies makes me... Um, he's from Florida, I think, yeah. Too, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there is something about him that is like Brooklyn guy. You yeah, know, whether he's, it's like this or like I know diners in Baltimore, but like you know, like yeah. the, the outsider. He just has that kind of like 1950s greaser feel to him. He belongs on the streets. Yeah, he belongs on the streets. I feel like yeah. is like
1: he always plays like a in his in these days. The earlier days, he always plays like a a poor guy, like someone down on his luck, or like. You know, or Saint Francis in yeah, one oh, case. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. We we'll have to touch on that. we
0: will gonna like we'll, we'll do like a uh, sort of like for additional work, work watching. Yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, check out these movies. But yeah, like I said, like what what I love so much about Barfly is that like there really is no plot. Nobody yeah. changes. Nobody learns anything. Nothing really happens. And, yeah. like the movie ends with him fighting Frank Stallone in an alley. Yeah, and I love the last scene because like he, he has. The most money he's ever had, because like the publisher has paid him five hundred dollars for one of his like uh, one of his short stories, so he's flush with cash. And he strolls into the the friendly place with Faye Dunaway on his arm, and he's like the king of all winos. Mm-hmm. And he, this is like my favorite, you know, like the my favorite line from the movie: "Drinks for my friends, drinks for all my friends." And then, like, like, you know, the the bartender who is his friend is like, "Look, you know, uh, Frank Stallone's gonna kick your ass again tonight." And he <laughs> goes like, and then he immediately comes in and he starts calling Frank Stallone "boy." He's like, A "Draft, boy, step to it. and it's just like <laughs> he just like it just antagonizes him over and over again. And he's like, "That's it, all right." And then we're like. And the, he smiles. They go out to the alley. The camera follows like just through the front door as you just hear as we saw in the very beginning of the movie just these broken down stumble bums cheer, holler, and hoot <laughs> yeah. as yet another fight takes place between Frank Stallone and Mickey Rourke. It's, it's so fantastic and like,
1: like I really love the relationship between Frank Stallone and Mickey Rourke. It reminds me of like Pee Wee Herman and Francis <laughs> from like Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Pee Wee's Playhouse. It's like very like child like you know um and at one point um after faye dunaway because she does sleep with frank stallone she warns him like look i'm afraid i'm gonna go i'll go home with anyone who has a fifth of bourbon you know yeah and then it turns out on uh the first night that they kind of or the second night they know each other it happens to be frank stallone his archenemy and uh he says to faye dunaway after Why'd it have to be him? You know, he's so boring. He's got this boring macho energy that I just hate. Obviousness. Yeah, this obvious macho energy that I just hate. And Faye Dunaway's like, uh,. You know, I i'm an i'm an alcoholic. I make mistakes. You know what do you want me to do. <laughs>
0: I will say though that like uh, before before Mickey Rourke fights Frank Stallone to end the movie, Faye Dunaway and Alice Grieg fight each other first in the bar. Where it's like, oh two, yeah, two gorgeous women pulling their hair out and screaming at each other to fight for the honor of the right to like date. A guy who smells like shit. Yeah, okay. a, a guy who is he, like just soiled himself and is covered in scabs. Yeah, yeah, like
1: grease penis McGee. <laughs> like basically, <laughs> they're fighting over the most disgusting man in the city. And <laughs> but he's got a charm to him. You got to admit. I think one of my first notes in this movie, after the um the fight when um like work is in, I took all my notes like on my voice notes app, and I said. Mickey Rourke is so cool. in this. <laughs> <laughs> I just started losing my mind laughing.
0: <laughs> He's king of the king of the bums. He's king of the bums. He's what king, else? King what of more all did you want? Yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm, I'm I know I'm probably missing a lot of the funny shit in this movie, but you know, like, it's I, it's a movie I adore. It's just it's just absolute L.A. nighttime vibes. It's yeah. it's just incredibly funny and just a, like an almost like cartoon character like performance from Mickey Rourke. Like, he reminds me of sort of like. Like Popeye. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, or like, or like, like a you know, like, a, like a a, a a version of Bugs Bunny that slurs every word he says. What's up, Doc? Yeah, oh, <it's> so <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot. One uh, of one of my favorite insults of all time in a movie is when he's antagonizing Frank Stallone. He goes, "Come here. i want to tell you something. i want to tell you something. Just get him nice and close." Then he goes. <laughs> Your mother's cunt stinks like carpet cleaner, and like that's what sends him over the edge. He's like, "All right, that's go it. to the go to the alley. We're going to the alley now. We're going outside." Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, life is grand. Life is wonderful. Yeah. If you don't have a job, it's so truly. Funny. He
1: says one of my favorite lines of the movie when he's full philosoph- philosophical mode. He's like. You know everyone's supposed to want to be something or do something you know like a gardener a lawyer a doctor you know a shrink i sometimes i get exhausted just thinking of all the stuff i don't want to be all the things <laughs> yeah, i don't want to do
0: relatable amen amen brother and also the uh, the that when he first meets fade on the way she says i can't i i hate people yeah i can't stand to. i can't stand them and he goes do you hate them and he goes no, but I seem to feel better when they're not around. <laughs> Which is again like just why no fat why no truths. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's dark. Hashtag but, why no it, truths on Instagram. Dark, he's he's giving the dark <laughs> and ancient wisdom of the why no.
1: Yeah. It's like those men's uh like MRA accounts yeah, yeah. on Instagram, but it's like uh, <laughs> yeah. No, he you know. is a
0: sigma male. He is yeah. going his own He is going he his is own really way in this movie. Like full sigma he, male. He, he does not need love,
1: money, anything. <laughs> he, <laughs> he needs nothing. He is a Buddhist, has yeah. re- achieved nirvana of, of alcoholism. It's truly amazing.
0: <laughs> yes. And I, and the thing I love about this movie is that, like, in no way is this movie a movie about addiction or recovery at oh, all. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <At all>. like, <laughs> no! It's just No. Ex- it's just a fact. You like, could argue that it's the opposite. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not, like, I mean, it is so gross, but it is not exactly, like, a heroin. It's not like The Lost Weekend or something like that. No, is no, it, no. And, like, never is there any question that he's gonna sober up or, like, clean no, up his no, act... No, 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 no or change and in, in fact, any way. you don't want him <laughs> no, to. No, fuck no. You were like, no, please go back and fight Frank He's got it figured out. He's got it figured out. <laughs> it figured out. <laughs> I mean, I guess we should just like maybe bring up Faye Dunaway for a second because she's you know, like, so she's, good in this. She's great. Um, just like, I don't know, like the, the, the romance, if you want to call it that, between Wanda and Henry is... Um, it's oh, a match made in heaven. Yeah, I, you know, it's 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 sweet in a way. You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. just really... Like, just, yeah, like just two people who are perfect for each other. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I, and it's not implied that they're like, I, I don't read this movie implied like they're going to stay together. or like Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This is just like, you know, as Bukowski writes in his books, he calls them uh, another shack job I was with, which means <laughs> it's just like someone you can split the rent and booze with and then like, yeah, you have sex too. It's so cool. It's like,
1: it's such a movie of like of the present. It's really, there's no past or future. It's just like now kind yeah. of. Which I really love. Like he gets the fi- he gets to five hundred dollars, and it's like, all right, let's spend this right now. Let's yeah. th- buy ten rounds for everyone in the bar, and that's another one of my favorite parts when when he is like, drinks for my friends, <laughs> for my- and Stallone keeps coming up to him. That's forty dollars.
0: And he's going like, eh, keep peeling <laughs> off another sweaty, fetted yeah, yeah, yeah. dollar bill, the twenty dollar bill that's been in his disgusting pants for like for two minutes, and they're already like drenched. Yeah. Drinks from my friends, uh, but yeah, like I mean, it, I, I guess like in, in Angel Heart and Barfly, like take it's, 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 it's them both to, like together, as, as, and like think of Mickey Rourke as like a leading man in both of them. I think it really like. It, both these movies really like highlight to me like why i find him like so fascinating as a leading man because like he's got the looks mm-hmm. but, like both in him like as a individual like him in real life and the characters he plays like does everything to undermine that yeah like does everything to undermine how handsome and charming he is by just like how fucking rotten <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his characters are and you know like he is a guy that is like you know much much has been written about like you know the the problems with Mickey and mm-hmm. like and also like how big his career was in the eighties and then like the long and steady decline in the nineties into like real just like like you know totally forgotten from Hollywood like yeah. you know on on the directive VHS pipeline yeah before being resurrected like a phoenix by Darren Aronofsky and the wrestler being Mm -hmm. robbed of that best Oscar by fucking Sean Penn for playing Harvey Milk. (laughs) Do you remember that? (laughs) Sean Penn won Best Actor for playing Harvey fucking milk. (laughs) Is that my Oscar in there? (laughs) <laughs> over, over Mickey Rourke and the wrestler, which is, like, you know, like, uh, su- such an incredible performance. One of the great performances like, like, of the cent- And also, of like, that you know, decade, we truly. just said, like, Kei Kwan just won the Oscar for for everything, everywhere, all at once. Like, this is the kind of, like, Oscar story that, like, Hollywood usually loves because it's yeah. just like, meta commentary on his whole career. But, no, he's just, like, the Academy was never going to give it to him because he's pissed off too many people in his life. He's yeah. just made too many enemies too in Hollywood. Real. He's too real. He keeps it real. And then like, but here's the other thing. It just like, like Henry Janoski back in the fucking alley, like right after his meteoric, like his Phoenix, like rise from like the ashes of like direct to video purgatory. He immediately is back to like doing movies with Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, called yeah, Like yeah. the rough dogs or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and I'm also wondering like, cause you know, and, and you can't talk about him as well without like, just like the incredible change in his appearance yeah, yeah, past yeah. a certain point. And, like, his, like, plastic surgery addiction, I mean, like, he blames it on being a boxer and getting his face rearranged one too many times. Mm-hmm. So, like, he then like... In, part of his, like, descent in the 90s is that, like, he sort of quit acting for a period of time to try to be a boxer. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, he had some, And then most recently, he was fighting some, like... He was fighting a the Russian version of, like, Henry Chinovsky in Moscow as, like, a 65-year-old man. Oh, this, my like, God. S- just, like... You know, like, like should have been held on a barge in international waters, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. like, really sleazy, <laughs> should like... Should have been in the back of the golden horn. <laughs> yeah, <through. laughs> exactly. Like, the guy he was fighting was being paid in, like, a can of beans or something like that. <laughs> like again, a bum fights video, yeah. basically. But again, like, I'm, I'm I'm sort of struck by, you know, like, the, the whole thing about in Angel Heart, about, like, his face being totally disfigured and reconstructed, and that being, like, not knowing who he is, and then, like... Just like you know what Mickey's done to himself and his face is like you know it's sort of a poignant commentary on like the nature of stardom and beauty mm. and also kind of like self destruction and kind of like I don't know yeah and like if, if you if you're looking for a good Instagram follow I cannot recommend Mickey Rourke enough because like one of just, the best Instagram it is him out fa- hanging out with all his little dogs feeding spaghetti pomodoro to all his dogs <laughs> yeah him, uh- and and like looking like a muscle-bound tattooed version of like someone's grandmother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. your your abuela basically. <laughs> yeah. And then
1: it's like all the weird guys he hangs out with. Giuseppe Franco, my favorite yeah. hairstylist to the stars, Giuseppe Franco, <laughs> who um if you're looking at pictures of Mickey Rourke, it's the guy who is 70 pounds soaking wet. This <laughs> tiny little he always dresses in all black who just follows him around and they hang out together and look like an old lesbian couple. There are yeah. many pictures of them kissing each other on the lips, which <laughs> I love. They actually moved. Yeah. I've done a, a lot of digging on Giuseppe Franco because I became fascinated instantly by the guy who was in like 10,000 pictures with Mickey Rourke online. And it turns out they moved from Florida to LA together. <laughs> to become like famous together really yeah mickey as an actor and giuseppe franco as hairstylist of the stars <laughs> and they you know they both succeeded in their way and they both uh you know giuseppe franco there's still videos of him uh with uh arnold comes to his salon Excellent. you know he's got frank and sylvester he's got the whole the whole crew you know um
0: the the other people that Mickey Rourke hangs out with, in addition to his wonderful menagerie of dogs, I mean, yeah, like yeah, Mickey yeah. Rourke, a friend of Chihuahuas everywhere. Like he's one of the big, one of the greatest, one of our greatest celebrity advocates for little dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, he like his other friends are just basically like Chechen boxers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like they're boxers from like the Balkans, <laughs> Chechnya, like any former Soviet bloc uh, country. <laughs> Who is currently involved in pugilism, uh, Mickey, and they're all like fifty years younger than him at this point. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Mickey Burke, like, just uh, what what a what a, what an amazingly talented but troubled <laughs> troubled man. I was I, I know in our last episode we talked about um, how him and Denzel Washington or Denzel Washington hated being even in the same room with him on yeah, yeah, yeah. Man on Fire. But I just saw on Instagram. A picture of him and Denzel Washington getting lunch together with their weird with all of Mickey's weird friends. Yeah, no, I <laughs> yeah, saw that.
1: Yeah. I was like, oh my god. The, so I guess they
0: squashed the beef. You you know? Know? They squashed the beef too. Him and De Niro though? That's just never done. That's, that's never no. never, no, 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 no. yeah.
1: I mean, you know, I'm I'm team Mickey on that one. Yeah. I gotta say. I'm you know, because I think didn't it say like him and um De Niro, it was because De Niro didn't want to talk to him <laughs> on Yeah, yeah. Set?
0: Because he said, like, De Niro is doing his, like, kind of method acting thing of, like, you know, always being in character and never talking to Mickey Rourke outside their scenes together because he thought that would add to, like, the um, sort of resonance and uncanniness of it, which I think it definitely does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as we talked about Angel Heart, this is, like, really, like, a distinct De Niro performance. And, like, he's never really done a character like this before or since. The closest thing I can think of is, like, Ronan, maybe. I mean, yeah, but he's like not nearly as weird or kind of like, yeah, yeah like in, in his in, just quiet intensity yeah. in that, like, yeah. And then like Mickey was deep, like offended by that, and he was yeah. like, "What the fuck <laughs> doesn't want to talk to me? Why does this asshole think he's better than me you or wanna something? to Hang out with me, come on, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we can't go to a Brooklyn Dodgers game or what?" <laughs> uh, um, so has a uh, if people would like to expand their Rourke repertoire, what are some what are some, your films? I know you, I know you and I both are fans of a very little-seen movie called Francesco, where Mickey Rourke plays St. Francis of Assisi. Oh, yeah. It's an extraordinary movie. It's so weird. I, like, has, I would describe this movie as sort of like a depiction of what Christianity it was like it was basically like the invention of like a cool new movement in Christianity that was like rock music of the day, yeah. and it swept the youth. And it's like and he's it's in called a band. being a bum, yeah, yeah it's being <laughs> a bum. And it's sort of like the way uh, Helena Bonham Carter's in it, and like the way like uh, with, with, with the Franciscans, like him and his boys, and like their whole crew. They start out and they're like the cool thing to do is give away all of your worldly possessions and, like, live among lepers, as Christ commanded us. And then it's just sort of, like, the movement sweeps the country Mm -hmm. and all the kids are going crazy for the vows of poverty. But then, like, the the record label comes in and they're like, oh, okay, kid, we're going to have to sort of take this over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) The record label being the Catholic Church in this movie. (laughs) It's really
1: wild. And, like, there are all these, like, crazy moments, like, um, it's Liliana Cavani, who's one of my favorite directors like ever, and I think one of the most underrated directors. She did like The Night Porter. She did Ripley's oh, wow. Game. Yeah. yeah, she did um, The Skin, which is one of my favorites ever. Um, uh,
0: Josh Lewis and uh, the Slezoids told me that you made them watch Skin. They oh, yeah, it yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I, I still have yet to see it, but they said it was like, strap in for this one. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really, it's, a, it's something. I
1: mean, you see like little hints of it in the parts in Francesco where it'll cut from Rourke as St. Francis looking as sexual as ever. Like, you know, anointing a poor person being like, Christ be with you. And then, like, it cuts to 5,000 blue dead bodies being thrown into a mass grave. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Yep, there's a war in Italy. Uh, <laughs> it's like some random, the War of 1201
0: or whatever. like,
1: <laughs> And just like showing all these naked people in mass graves. Like people
0: being tortured for like translating one word of the Bible into Italian or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Ten,
1: 10 minutes in, a man is hung upside down and skinned alive and you see a lot of it. And <laughs> it's for
0: translating the Bible into Italian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also in Francesco there's a scene where Mickey Rourke fucks a snowman yes mm-hmm. it's, it's a really crazy movie <laughs> uh, yeah Francesco's awesome uh, what, are, what are some other Rourke favorites Year of the Dragon Your, Michael, mm-hmm. Michael Cimino's Year of the Dragon yeah, yeah yeah Michael Cimino it's a sort of gang war in New York's Chinatown mm-hmm. and Rourke is a racist policeman yeah yeah He who overcomes little... his hatred of Asian people to prosecute them in a war on to crime prosecute yeah. them slash have <laughs> but, sex with a very androgynous
1: yeah. one yeah um and that one's crazy because it's filmed on like one of the craziest sets ever built which is like a one-to-one scale replica of chinatown
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's yeah it's you're it, the, the dragon is awesome i would go with um like you know, sort of like a more entry level like Rourke movie. Like you know, if you're if you're not if you don't want to go full Rourke yet, a more accessible movie than those two are probably the Pope of Greenwich Village. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the a, classic. It, it's the Rourke classic. and uh, Eric Roberts playing uh, <laughs> Italian cousins. Wait, I gotta look up uh, Stavi's Letterbox Review of Pope. of Greenwich <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, gotta shout out our boy Stavi, baby. His review of the Pope of Greenwich Village. If this doesn't sell you, I, I know what it, I don't know what will. Uh, the main character, played by pre-plastic surgery Mickey Rourke, is a deadbeat father who behaves like he's in The Mob, even though he's an unemployed restaurant manager. <laughs> when given the choice between committing fully to a beautiful woman who is carrying his child and seems to love him unconditionally despite his many flaws, or try to outsmart the mafia so he can continue to kiss his male cousin on the lips <laughs> and shoehorn the word capiche into almost every sentence, he chooses "famiglia" <laughs> over <of> a pupusaduce. LAUGHTER <laughs> <laughs> uh, some other Rourke favorites of mine is uh, White Sands which is a, a, a thriller I think by Roger Donaldson I could be wrong about that With uh, it's him, Willem Dafoe and uh, Samuel L. Jackson he plays sort of like a villain like a CIA arms dealer it's like a, a cool early 90s thriller I already mentioned uh, Walter Hill's Johnny Handsome we mentioned The Wrestler but I mean I guess like he was sort of became a star thanks to um diner Barry Levinson's diner and Prince Ford Coppola is The Outsiders Mm -hmm. yeah so that's that's the Rourke report that's the Rourke report and also uh, follow him on Instagram follow him on Instagram please join us in the cult
1: of Rourke (laughs) the the true movie mindset uh, saint of a patron saint of movie mindset
0: (laughs) Saint Francis um, Saint Saint Mickey Francis himself (laughs) yeah (laughs) Barry Angel Francis All right, that was movie mindset till next time bye bye bye